the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Coming up this hour, did you see that crazy scene in Chicago over the weekend? And then we're joined by Matt McNeil from Outreach. You're listening to The Common Good. Happy Monday, friends. Welcome to The Common Good here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life, alongside Aubrey Sampson. My name is Brian Fromm. It's so good to be with you on a Monday, even though, Aubrey, it is freezing outside today. I don't want to talk about the fact that we went from our air conditioning being on to our heat (laughs) and our fireplace in in the span of, like, an evening. We're going to try to provide joy for people. Because okay, I the like weather, it. Uh, the weather went bad. It's tax. Tomorrow's tax, tax day. day. Uh, I did get up to preach yesterday and I said, hey, glad you all are here today. Uh, I hope you enjoyed spring this year. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, speaking of that and tax day, Kevin preached about uh, Levi, the tax collector, and didn't make a tax day joke. I was like, man, you missed a great moment right yeah, there. It was sitting It there was literally right in front of you. Yeah, I missed it. It was missed sitting it. there for you. Uh, wait, he preached on Levi, otherwise known as Matthew? Like the calling of Matthew? Yes, he did. Yeah, yeah, he did. Aubrey, can I blow your mind? <gasps> yes. I preached on the calling of Matthew yesterday. No, you didn't. Are you serious? I'm not lying. Uh, and I just struck me. I also did not make a tax joke. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You guys need that's an editor. That's really strange. I'm being 100% honest. That was the story wow, I put on yesterday. Oh, that's so crazy. What a weird world. Do you guys get like the same like email that says preach on this <laughs> <laughs> this weekend, Pastor? <laughs> I guess Rick Ward preached on the call of Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fun. That's, yeah, fun. that's funny. Hey, a big day here at the station. People might be wondering why. It's the birthday of our executive producer, Keith Conrad. Yeah, it is. uh, We're going to trust that Keith is is listening somewhere as we wish him a happy birthday. And apropos of just what Keith would want for his Mm -hmm. birthday... Uh, what is it called? The Starship Flight Test? Yeah, the Space, SpaceX is launching a Starship Super Heavy rocket today. So for his birthday, we organized that. That was all us. Us and Elon, yeah. we got together. We made yeah, it happen. Yeah, it was equal. <laughs> if you know Keith Conrad, he has a couple different strange passions. Yes. Uh, space travel. Yep. The Titanic. The Titanic. Uh-huh. Uh, Mackinac Island. Oh, yeah. I forgot about Mackinac. Yes. And then you and him share a thing. What re- what frequently happens on our show <laughs> is the two of us will be in studio. Keith will walk in and you and him will begin discussing some really obscure show that you both are watching. It's and so I true. And you're just, but I would say the opposite happens because he's also a Chicago sports fan. So you guys go into it's not as obscure, certainly, but it you is, guys go into sports talk and I just kind of twiddle my thoughts. I will grant you that it is rarely 50. But yeah, we, we, <laughs> we both we both do watch very obscure television and often recommend things to one another. And so yes, then we end that's up talking the funny about thing it. Is you guys will be like. You'll pull this show out of nowhere, and then he'll be like, oh, yeah, I saw the first episode. <laughs> What's going on here? 
Uh, how do you guys have time for this? Uh, it's, it's funny. It's funny. All right, Aubrey. Uh, so happy birthday to Keith. I'm guessing. He's, happy he's, birthday, he's, Keith. What do you think, Keith? Mid fifties? No. hundred and five. <laughs> uh, he was actually on the Titanic. That's what he is. He is so, uh, a happy birthday to our friend and executive producer, Keith Conrad. Uh, I did want to make a hard right turn here. Did you see any of the video footage, Aubrey? From, I no, uh, I know what you're talking about, but I did not see any footage. Go ahead. Sorry, I the, didn't mean to cut you off. This is a big story. It's a chaotic. This hour I'm reading it. The chaotic scene that unfolded in downtown Chicago on Saturday night. And I don't know. You and I, we cover all these really disturbing stories, and they're usually of shootings. And there were more shootings over the weekend that we'll get into coming up in this week, at least, because they were horrific. But on Michigan Avenue, as best I can tell, it says this. There's currently, this was on Saturday night, a significant police response taking place in Chicago due to, quote, a large group of teenagers causing chaos. Mm. They've been smashing car windows, getting into fights, robbing people, and using mace. There have also been reports of multiple gunshots, and three teens have been shot while be attempting to break into Whoa. the Art Institute of Chicago. Wow! We're going to talk later today about the state of teens in our country, and yes, this, this is, is wow! This is wild. I did not know all of this, Brian. Keep going. Keep going. Well, this is why it's different. You don't ever want to become numb to shootings, yeah, right? Like the, yeah. the one that happened in Alabama this weekend yeah. at a 16 year sweet Ugh, 16 party. Awful, awful. Horrific. Yeah. That story out, there was another one in Louisville. That mm-hmm. story out of Kansas City where that poor African American boy went to the wrong house and got shot this oh, weekend. Oh, I didn't hear that story. Oh, oh my gosh, you need to Google that. Oh. We need to talk about that later in this week. Oh. But like, so those are all horrific. This Chicago one I wanted to start with because for a couple of reasons. It's our hometown. Yeah, right. Uh, people talking about what's going on in Chicago, a lot of people in easy. But, Aubrey, this is like you watch the video footage. It's Lord of the Flies. Yeah, I'm watching it actually as we speak right now. You can find it on Twitter or other places. And mm-hmm. it, the scene that unfolds is so chaotic and scary looking. There's no doubt about it. Like, I, I would not have wanted to be there. And you're reading about things happening particularly in cities right now. I, I tend to read the New York newspapers because, mm. you know, I'm from out that yeah, way. Yeah, right. But you read things about San Francisco and other places. Right. And you just start to wonder, you know, people – here's where I want to go. And you said we're going to talk about this later in more in-depth. But people want to talk about uh, policing, and that's really important. They want to talk about guns, and that's really important. We want to talk about crime. All of these things are really important. But could we just get at the really foundational level and go, what in the world is happening with people like our teenagers? Yeah. What is actually this clearly is organized. Right. And it all it was was just destruction. When I was watching that, I I grieved for like these are teenagers. This shouldn't be happening. And I didn't have any sort of answer. And I, I just couldn't believe what my eyes were seeing. Yeah, I mean, again, we'll talk about this a little bit later, but you have to wonder, Brian, is some of it, I don't know, I'm making a total guess here, and I am not an expert, but you have to wonder if some of this is like latent trauma response from COVID, and we just haven't dealt with it yet. Like, it's just so wild to me to, to think about, like, 
these stories ramping up, ramping up, ramping up, ramping up. And these are like our precious kids. Like the end of the day, like teenagers are children. And I know they're young adults, but like I, it is, I don't know. I I don't know if we're caring for them enough at home, in schools, through communities. Like I'm not exactly sure, but something needs to give so that they're seen and heard and find health and wholeness Obviously, we believe the answer is Jesus, and what can we do to reach teens with the love of Jesus, but also just, like, some mental health stuff needs to be really increased in this generation. So, uh, Mm. you know me, I tend to be a relatively positive person. Yeah. Like, and I don't mean to start our show in such a dark spot. I tend to be a positive person, an optimistic person. Mm -hmm. When I saw this, and then you think about What's going on, you know, with the mass, with the school, with the shootings that have happened? I know, Brian. It seems like you've increased over the last couple of weeks. Yeah. You read some of these stories of just blatant crime. I watched a video the other day where a guy got beat up by four people trying to steal his car in his driveway mm. in Connecticut. Mm. Uh, you start to think about, like, the political discourse in our world, in yeah. our country. All of this, all of this. Aubrey, when I saw this, I, I really had this thought to myself. Our our culture, our, our society is going to hell in a handbasket. Like, it, it's just off the rails right now. And it's hard to be hopeful. Apart from, like, a revival of Jesus Christ, it's hard to be like, yeah, but we'll turn this around. Like, I don't know. That sounds so dark. But that's really where I'm at when I watch stuff like this right now. It's one of those things where I think you have to kind of hold both things in perspective. Like, in one sense, humanity does seem to be bent on destroying itself. Like, we just seem to be moving towards entropy all the time. But what we have to hold that with, and maybe it sounds Pollyannish, but I think it's the only way we move forward, is also that God is still at work and God is not surprised. And our faith tells us that God is in the process of making all things new. And one day there will be shalom that reigns everywhere, peace that reigns everywhere, so that this kind of thing doesn't happen. And it is, it can be overwhelming. It can be, I I was kind of like doom scrolling through the news over the weekend and had to stop myself Again, not you don't want to be naive yep. and you don't want to be yep. closed off, but you also want to go, okay, I have to find the good things and the beauty that's happening in this world right now, or else I am going to, yeah, I'm just going to feel like it is. Spot. Totally. I mean, it's very, <laughs> it's very heavy and it's very real. And when it involves our teenagers, it feels just mm-hmm. extra weighty. So wanted. So I apologize for taking us at the very beginning to a dark spot. We're going to go back to happy birthday, Keith Conrad. Happy birthday, <laughs> Keith. Enjoy your day. But we do need to be praying. I think mm-hmm. you bring up great points about mental health and other things. We need to be praying for our police officers down in Chicago yeah. having to deal with this on Saturday. Mm. Just I, We don't want to be one of those shows who's just piling on. We want to go like, come Lord Jesus, yeah. do a work here. That's right. Uh, and speaking of, one of those organizations... Uh, that does great work is called Outreach, right? It used to be called Outreach Ministries, now just called Outreach. Yep. We're partnering with them in some fun ways over the weekend as they celebrate uh, a, a major anniversary of theirs. And Matthew McNeil, he's a senior senior program officer. Uh, he's going to join us. That last name might sound familiar from a, a fill-in co-host of ours as well. Uh, that is uh, Matthew McNeil. So we'll talk about that as well. We're excited to be joined by Matthew McNeil next here on The Common Good. AM 1160, hope for your life. I said, Aubrey, one of our favorite things to do uh, is to highlight organizations that we believe in, ones that we think are doing good work. And with that in mind, 
Uh, we are thrilled to be joined by Matthew McNeil. Uh, Matthew is the Senior Program Officer with Outreach. Matthew, how you doing, man? Thanks for joining us. Hey, thank you for having me. Glad to be here. Yeah, it's our pleasure. Hey, you guys have a lot of great stuff going on this weekend with Outreach. But before getting into the specifics, help people understand what Outreach yeah. is. What is it that you guys do? Yeah, so Outreach is a community service organization, and we operate across five sites across DuPage County. Um, we're located in Wheaton, Carroll Stream, Warrenville, the York neighborhood of Villa Park, and in West Chicago. And we have five domains of service. Last year, our organization in those five domains of service served over 3,700 people. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. We're very excited uh, to keep growing. Um, and so we're serving people in the context of youth development. We work with a lot of young people across the county in the Chicagoland uh, metro region, DuPage County specifically right now, mm -hmm. family stabilization, mm -hmm. um, transitional housing, employment training, and then we have one of the larger uh, Medicaid accepting counseling centers wow. in the area. Oh, so incredible, Matthew. I love hearing all that outreach is doing. Uh, like Brian mentioned, you have a major event coming up this weekend because it's your 50th anniversary. This is so, so exciting. We've been telling people about the Carrie Job concert and Brian, yeah, it's Brian exciting. and I are emceeing our first 5K together. This is very, very That's fun. awesome. So why don't you tell us about the day? Yeah, so it's just a celebration of hope. Outreach has been transforming lives and communities in our uh, area for the past 50 years. And we thought, man, we're going to swing for the fences this time. We're just going to go all out. So we're inviting every people to join us to honor our history and build an incredible future for the families that we serve. Uh, we are outreach.org slash 50 if you want to learn more about our amazing organization. But it kicks off at 10 a.m. in the morning with a 5K, which you two will be hosting. Thank you so much for doing that. We're really excited not running, about that. Not, not running. running. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> well, <laughs> it is a uh, walk, run, wheel. So we are inviting nice. – and there's a kids' fun run. So we, uh, no athletic ability is, is demanded <laughs> of this like event. I yeah, like I mean, we're definitely opening the door to the athletic types who want to, like, go after it and try to try to take, take the prize, you know. But um, I'll probably be walking. My parents are flying in, so I'll be walking with them. Nice. Um, and, yeah, kids are invited to bike. And, you know, who, if someone uses a wheelchair, we'd love to have them there. So that's uh, downtown Wheaton on Saturday at 10 a.m. And then moving on, later in the evening, we're so excited that Carrie Job decided to partner with us and do a benefit concert. Um, you know, the... We, as, as our team thought about who, who we might approach, the song The Blessing from the pandemic, mm. when that song just ministered to people of faith, honestly, around the entire world, yeah, and we saw so many of those pop-up choirs, those like virtual choirs mm -hmm. singing yeah. that song and just... Yeah. That, anyhow, in my in my living room, it, it made us cry more than once. Mm. So <laughs> we're excited that she and her band are going to bring that concert um, to Willow Creek, South Barrington on Saturday. Doors open at 6 p.m. Uh, tickets are available and you can purchase tickets at weareoutreach.org slash 50 or you can uh, purchase tickets even at the door. Yeah. That's awesome. So, yeah, we're really excited to worship together. That's awesome. For our listeners, you guys are providing two like premium, premium seats. seats. Yeah, this is this is front row, like Come front on. front row. That's so yeah. awesome. Yeah, and so here's what we want you to do. Well, Aubrey, why don't you explain to yeah. our our audience yeah. what, how can they go about? Because these are like 
front as Matt said front row, front row premium tickets. tickets to Carrie Joe. So here's what we want you to do: go on any of our socials. We're at Common Good Talk on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We want you to write a comment and mention the Carrie Joe concert. You'll be entered to win those two tickets. And I mean. It's worth entering just because the chance to win these tickets are so incredible. So again, we're at Common Good Talk. Any, we're making this easy for you. Any of our socials, mention the concert, you'll win those. Oh, you'll mm-hmm. be entered to win those tickets. You'll be entered to win. So those are great things going on. Matthew, I'm curious for outreach. It's now 50 years. But even just say in the last five years, what are the changes mm-hmm. you've seen culturally? What are the things that you're like, wow, I didn't see that coming? Obviously, we've gone through COVID and all of that stuff. How's your ministry had to kind of morph over the last couple of years? Yeah, you know, I think um, I have a I have a, a friend who <laughs> is a pastor in the area, and he has shared that the Chicagoland metro region is uh, getting more gray less green mm-hmm. and less white. <laughs> yeah. And so more gray, like the, the, the average population is aging, less green, the level of income is decreasing in terms of uh, how stable families are mm-hmm. and less white. And that's just a kind of a euphemistic way to say our communities are growing in diversity, which is a great thing. Yeah. Um, but it does add challenges to, to make sure that everyone are, is stabilized so that because we're engaging, you know, people of, of a wide background, mm. wide variety mm. of backgrounds. And so um, in that sense, um, the increased need for bilingual staff and for uh, or multilingual staff uh, through COVID, we saw families um, uh, both e- experience uh, financial instability. I think that was the more surface level yeah. um, thing that, that we saw. But also mental health services. Uh, the waiting lists for our counseling centers have just been explosively large wow. in the past really? several years, especially emerging from COVID. Like right during the pandemic, we pivoted to telehealth and people access a lot of services. But particularly for youth, um, as they you know lost the opportunity to be socially engaged in school, we've just seen a loss of pro-social behaviors um, mm. and increase in anxiety. Yeah. For youth all across the spectrum. So it's been really critical that our counseling centers attached to our neighborhood resource centers and the youth mm-hmm. development programs where those kids come after school and during the summer um, just have really robust resources to be able to address those needs. Yeah, I, I love hearing that because that is something we actually talked about earlier. We're going to talk about later on in the show, just the state of the teens in our nation today. So it's lovely to know that outreach is really kind of at the forefront of that. Again, um, mm-hmm. You can go to outreach.org slash 50 to find out more. Matthew, one of the questions we sometimes ask our guests, especially those who are really in kind of the thick of what's going on in culture and in community is if you're hopeful and mm. if so, how do you hold on to that hope in the midst of all you're seeing? Um, yeah, well, we're hopeful because uh, Jesus Christ incarnated among us. Yeah, that's right. And um, when he did so, he cast a vision for the local church to engage in communities and bring, you know, be agents of hope. So outreach's uh, mission is to restore hope and provide opportunities so that uh, God's children can become all that he wants them to be. So, good. so yeah. we uh, partner with the local church <clears throat> to do that. We uh, are determined to make that happen. And uh, we engage really, really highly trained staff who are really professional in either education or mental health or social Mm. work or whatever it might be 
so that we have the skills to, to partner with the church to help them make a meaningful impact in their local communities. Mm -hmm. We also have a model that is community-based. So just like Jesus's incarnation, we move into the neighborhood. Like we actually mm -hmm. set up brick and mortar presence in the neighborhood where we want to um, help lives transform. And so when we do that, it makes our services accessible. It makes people trust us because we're neighbors. We live like neighbors. And we have the ability to um, make a really powerful impact. You know, That's God great. transforms people's hearts through relationships. Yeah. And we Absolutely. position ourselves to do that, to so engage in those relationships. So good, We'd encourage you again to go to weareoutreach.org slash 50. And you can see, I'm looking at it right now. You can see all that's going on this weekend. Go be part of the 5K. Uh, definitely be a part of the Carrie Job concert up at Willow Creek in South Barrington in the evening as we celebrate this awesome ministry outreach. Uh, also, go to any of our social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Common Good Talk. Mention the concert and you will be entered to win two front row tickets to the Carrie Job concert. Again, Matthew McNeil, Senior Program Officer with Outreach. Matthew, thanks yeah, so thanks much. It's great you. to celebrate with you guys. Thank you guys so much. I hope to see everyone there. Absolutely. You're listening to The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. We talked earlier about um, some of the chaos in downtown Chicago over the weekend oh, with crazy. teenagers. We yes. mentioned this horrible shooting at the 16-year-old's birthday party in Dadeville, Alabama. And... Um, man, I was, I was reading something else. Pew Research showed that gun death among U.S. children and teens has risen 50% in two years. Mm. So in 2019, before the coronavirus pandemic, there were a little over 1,700 gun deaths among U.S. children and teens. By 2021, so this is even two years ago, that figure had increased to over 2,500. I don't have a recent statistic on 2023, but my guess is it has continued to go up and up Feels and like up it. and up. And, you know, most gun deaths among U.S. kids are homicides. Obviously, some devastatingly are suicides as well. Um, I don't even know necessarily where we go with this conversation, Brian, but I wonder what do we do as parents? Like, I, yeah, for one, I even this this morning, I felt this intensity kind of pray over my kids and I always do in the morning but to just pray specifically for their protection physically and mentally like it's starting to get scary to send our kids out into the world I I totally agree and that's people should know that's not normally our posture yeah it's show. not it's I not said this earlier I'm an optimist I tend to be like oh you know everything will work out mm-hmm a couple different things come to mind as I've seen this thing, and uh, people could go back and listen to the podcast to the earlier in the show when we talked about just that crazy, no other no other way to put it, but a mob scene, yeah, uh, in in Chicago over the weekend, that it, it was just wild, and so yeah, I do think there's mental health things, I do think there's COVID things, but it also some of that feels a little too passive to me, to be mm. honest with you. Something's just changed in our teenagers. That oh, we were we were screw offs when we were teenagers. Yeah, all of this. Yeah. Stuff. But like the stuff that you see now happening with teenagers and with the brazenness of crime and the uh, just what 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 you see with some of our teenagers interacting with other teenagers in their own schools and the things that they're willing to do or say or 
I don't know, Aubrey. I do feel like, and I hope this doesn't feel like old guy on the lawn because I'm I not know. usually like that. Yeah. I honestly think we as parents need to realize that there's something going on amongst our teenagers that even feels like an escalation right I now. I agree. Yeah. And that we've got to talk through and uh, set boundaries. We need to, because if our teenagers are doing something, it's really a reflection of our generation, mm. right? Like I do, they might be escalating it, but they seem to have found anger or um, crime or a, yeah. a passivity to hold people to consequence, right? Yeah. You only do what these teenagers did in Chicago on Saturday night if you are believing that there will be no consequences. Yeah, that's right. Uh, that's if you right. believe that that eventually they're going to let you get away with it, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you see, even in Chicago, man, they. They closed down some Walmarts the other day because Walmart said that they had too much stuff was getting stolen. I know. I, I saw that. I also and I think this there's a similar story in San Francisco with an with a Whole Foods grocery store. They closed yeah. down because so much was getting stolen as well. And so eventually you need to go like, what is it culturally, not just with our teenagers, but what are our teenagers seeing culturally yeah. that's giving them this worldview that says, I could take what's not mine, I can create, wreak havoc, I can be, I can be, treat people badly, I can... I can be violent. Guns, yeah. I can, whatever else it might be. You and I are both raising teenagers, and I agree with you. There's a, there's a scariness to it that says... What do we do? And so I think as parents, we need to be much more active than some of us have probably been in terms of talking these things through with our kids, telling our kids, hey, this is not how we react. Uh, And these types of I I don't know what else to say. As churches, we need to step in Uh, where there aren't parents. We need to step in and be parental figures, not be parents, but be, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of parental figures in in quite frankly, young men's lives. But, you know, this is playing out with young women, too, right. teenagers and the right. things they're, they're struggling with. And so, yeah, there is COVID that we can hang this on and mental health issues and other things. But part of it is I think our kids are reflecting back the culture we've created, and we should all feel really guilty about that. Yeah, that's really interesting. And by the culture we've created, I mean, some of that is just our own, like, violent tendencies towards one another, our own anger, our own our own like vitriol later we're going to talk to um michael wadson from the um hospitality civic hospitality project at calvin university where they're really helping students and i think even adults begin to think about better ways that we can engage with people we disagree with and i think that this conversation is more important than ever because if brian's right that kids are reflecting what they're learning from us we have to remember that the way we treat other people is has ripple effects, right? Mm-hmm. Like kids, mm-hmm. grandkids, next generation, uh, really turning against each other because of what they're seeing in us. And it, I mean, it's a, it, it feels a little like the Wild West out there. And I'm like you, oh. Brian, like you and neither of us are really like kind of sound the alarm, fear mongering type of people. Like, I just don't think right. that's in our personalities. Um, and yet to see how our kids are hurting and lashing out because they're hurting, something's got to give. And I agree yep. that it has to start at home uh, where where there are parents at home 
begin to have hard conversations with your kids about their own anger, their own internal stuff. Like, are they okay? What are the proper responses to what they're feeling? What aren't, do they need help? Do they need to get in counseling? We talked with Matthew McNear earlier from outreach. They have incredible, uh, affordable counseling options for teenagers. Mm -hmm. And then, like you said, where there aren't necessarily family units, but there are kids suffering on their own. How can the church step in? How can school step in? I do, in one sense, I I do not want things to escalate, but I hope that at some point there's that tipping point where we start taking this a lot more seriously and begin to do something about it. And I think as parents, the last thing I would say, and I hate what I'm about to say, Mm. even our teenagers are a very reflection of us Mm. as parents. Yeah. Not perfectly. There are good parents who have bad kids and bad parents who have good kids, Mm -hmm. but that's like the, the outliers. Generally speaking, especially when your kids are younger, but even as they get older, they begin to reflect the things they see in their parents. Yeah. So if you've got angry kids, ask where they're seeing that anger. If they've got, if you've got cynical kids, Mm. if you've got uh, violent kids, all of this Mm. stuff, you probably got to ask, are they seeing that in me? Or are they not getting enough attention from Mm. me? Am I dropping the ball when guidance, all of this, like this should really cause us to look in the mirror as parents. It is interesting, and I know we, we'll have to keep talking about this later, but even thinking about the scripture that talks about, like, parents not provoking their kids to anger, like, this is a mm. biblical call for us to be mindful of that. Wow. Mm-hmm. And we are thrilled to be chatting right now with Dr. Michael Watson. He's the executive director of the Henry Institute and co-creator of the Civic Hospitality Project at Calvin University. We're going to talk with him about something that Brian and I are really passionate about, engaging gracefully with our neighbors. Micah, thanks so much for being here with us today. Thanks for having me. Okay, so I want to go big picture as we start and and give us some background on the Civic Hospitality Project, what it is, why you uh, co-created it. Sure. Well, Politics has been divisive since it started. Um, and, and Christians, when Christians started 2,000 years ago, they entered into a political world. And we can see that even in uh, Paul's epistles in the New Testament. And that's still the case today. Um, we have things in common with our uh, neighbors who aren't Christians. We're all made in God's image. The, we have a common good um, nice. that we can pursue. Um, we're also a people called apart, right? We have certain convictions um, that are Christian-specific. And so part of what it means to, to live faithfully, we believe, is to love our neighbors well, uh, our neighbors who are believers, our neighbors who aren't. Um, and that means disagreeing well at times when we enter into the, the public square. Uh, and that's gotten harder to do. It's never, there's never been a golden age. Uh, we remember that uh, a sitting vice president killed our first treasury secretary. You know, early in our country's history, they made a play about it. Um, but, but we can see that things have gotten worse uh, in the last mm-hmm. few decades. Um, political scientists call that affective polarization, mm-hmm. where we don't just disagree, but we can't even imagine being at the same table with someone wow. else. We have almost a, a visceral disgust. Um, and so mm-hmm. the, our project was to try and figure out how do we, how do we start young and, and model and teach uh, and practice ways of disagreeing well. Mm. So good. I mean, what an enormous topic mm-hmm. and thing to take on, because this seems like all that's pulling at us as churches, as a society. Uh, so bravo to you, yeah. man. Like, this is super important. But, Michael, what might some of those practices be? What are, what are things you guys are trying to train people to do to kind of turn the tide, at least with Christians here? 
Sure. Well, with, with um, my collaborator, David Smith, who runs an institute here with me at Calvin, I run a different institute. He's in, he's in education and pedagogy, and I'm in politics. Um, we wanted to come up with something that, that Christian school teachers could use in the classroom to do with their students. And, and more than just downloading, here's a technique to use, we wanted to, to give them a tool with which students could practice what this looks mm. like. And so we have a website, we have curricular lessons. Um, we, we think, you know, just like you don't learn how to drive a car by reading just mm. the owner's manual, you actually got to get in the car and drive. So the curriculum that we worked on has has information, but it also has things that do formation, where students will practice uh, what it looks like to reach out to those who think differently. They'll have examples. Um, it's, it's on our, our website, civichospitality.com. Um, so the idea was to, to allow students to practice these things in the hopes that then when they actually have the opportunity to do those things in real life, it won't be totally new or foreign to them. Again, that website is civichospitality.com. Okay, this is a, try to form this question as I ask it, Micah, but um, we've been hearing lately kind of this rhetoric from people saying, you know what, the time of the time of engaging with our neighbors gracefully is over. The time of winsomeness is over. It's time we're at war. It's time, you know, kind of this. And Brian and I push back on that quite a bit on this show. I, I guess this almost seems like a basic question, but why should this matter for the Christian? It's a great question. Um, I think people have mistakenly identified having convictions with having to be um, hostile mm. almost. Uh, and, I, and I think of, um, you know, again, for Christians who look to Scripture as our foundation, when Peter is writing the church, he says, uh, in your heart set apart Christ as Lord. This is First Peter 3.15. So first, Jesus comes first, which is right. And, and then he, he goes on uh, to say, um, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, uh, but do this with gentleness and respect. <laughs> so that just strikes me as so key that we are to be prepared, we're to think about our convictions and have reasons, but if we're to share the gospel with winsomeness and respect, can't we also do that with our politics? Wow. I mean, if that's important for that, doesn't it make sense that we would, we would do that in, in all things? Um, so I think... The, the basic answer to a very good question is we do so because God asks us to, and that's a way we love our neighbors. It doesn't mean that we don't take firm stances, that we can't um, offer robust arguments. We can and we should. But I think that how we make those arguments is going to be a key component in addition to the, the rigor and the strength of those arguments. Mm, so good. Yeah. And let's take this on a positive turn, Micah. Um, what, speak to the Christian out there, the opportunity before the church, right? Like we always say the light shines brightest in the darkness. Uh, as we become more divided, what is the opportunity for the church if we were to actually do this well? Yeah, that's, so that's a great question because if we look at how the church's and I hate to use this term, but brand is right now, mm -hmm. it's not particularly high, right? right? People don't think, you say, uh, you know, a, a mega church leader, and if you were to put that in Google, the next result would probably be something negative. Yeah. Um, yes. Or So I think that that actually, um, it, one, that's not great. I mean, we want our witness to be to be good, and, and in that sense, we would strive to be better. But it does provide an opportunity uh, insofar as people will be looking at us and, and seeing how we react um, and how we treat those. So if we stand out in that way, then people can say, okay, I might not agree with that person, but... I can. I actually kind of respect how they're going about it, right? I respect how they're treating other people. So, I think that's a a great insight. Insofar as if 
our society is becoming more and more polarized and hostile and snarky, as, as I think mm-hmm. it is, then when we don't do that, mm-hmm. uh, then we should stand out. And it'll be hard, but I think, I think it's, a great, yeah, it's a great insight. Okay, so thinking about our uh, upcoming election year, you can already sense it's going to be more polarized and more you know, vitriolic than it has been. What's just some practical handholds? Like, how do we sort of maintain this civic hospitality in the midst of that culture? Gosh, I guess I'd say a couple things. Um, I think reminding ourselves that every person we're interacting with is someone made in God's mm-hmm. image, um, someone that Jesus loves, mm-hmm. uh, that, that we are commanded to love our enemies. And these aren't even enemies. They're, they're perhaps adversaries. Um, <laughs> I think... I think the more that we can remember there are, if, let me back up a little bit. Part of it, part of the problem that we've had lately is politics has expanded to almost everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, you know, sporting controversies and, and movies. And, and I think it's helpful for us to remember there are going to be some, some things that we share with our neighbors on the other side of the political aisle that we can have in common. Um, so whether that's sports or music, I, I think those sorts of things are helpful. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be a conscious commitment to, um, to perhaps not responding with that zinger that would, that would get a bunch of likes and instead uh, turning down the temperature. That's, that's hard to do because it's very tempting uh, to want to get that, that nice response or that zinger. Yeah. So a number of different little things there. I that's think. good. Yeah, and there's, if we had time, there's probably things we could talk about, about social media, about cable news, mm-hmm. about all of these things that are just throwing gasoline on yeah. the fire. Maybe we'll do that another time. Micah, this, you guys are doing God's work, man. Mm-hmm. This is so important. So good. Where can people connect with you if they want to just learn more, get involved? Where can people connect with you guys? Uh, so the website, which you guys very kindly um, shared with us, um, we are, I, I, I'm not the best social media. <laughs> I, I, I am on um, Facebook and Twitter and that sort of thing. But uh, yeah, I would, I would say the website is the best place to go um, for that information. Perfect. Again, that's civichospitality.com. Dr. Michael Watson is the executive director of the Henry Institute and co-creator of the Civic Hospitality Project at Calvin University. We've been chatting with him about how to engage gracefully with our neighbors. Micah, thanks so much for being here with us. Thanks, Micah. Thanks so much for having me. Hey, we'll be back again tomorrow from 4 to 6 p.m. For Brian Fromm, I'm Aubrey Sampson, and you've been listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.